Welcome to Roundhouse Roulette, a Walker, Texas Ranger podcast. Each week we recap and review one of the 200 existing Walker, Texas Ranger episodes randomly selected by Roundhouse Roulette. I'm Evan Dalton here with my brother Adam and our fellow Walker talker, Mr. Bob Leahy. What's new, guys? (laughs) Not much, dude. Hey, doing good. Well, we'd like to thank you all for joining us as we revisit Chuck Norris's CBS 90s Denim Tour de Force. Now, normally we'd be coming in fresh with a randomly selected episode, but last week we were sucker punched for the third time by the three <laughs> words no Walker Texas Ranger viewer really wants to see to be continued. Bow, bow, bow. Thus, today we will recap and review Season 9, Episode 8, Redemption in which Walker zeroes in on the chairman who's been orchestrating the assassination of undercover government agents with the aid of his master computer hacker, the Wizard. (laughs) But before we see if this episode ends with another to be continued, or if it's the final conclusion of the series, join us as we first pull up a bar stool at CD's Bar and Grill. Alright, fancy meeting you boys here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Boy, howdy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what's going on tonight at CD's Bar and Grill? What's on tap? Man, I'm I'm just uh, you know dusting off my spurs and uh, like we were saying, I mean that they really only have one beer on tap here at a time. Uh, what's the menu say, Evan? Hmm, let's see. Well, this week uh, looks like CD has served us up a lime lager from Tailgate Brewery in Nashville, Tennessee, as described in the Bar and Grill Summer Draft menu. It is, quote, an easy-drinking, summer-heat-beating, Mexican-style lager with lime. Mm. Let's check this thing out. Yeah. They also only have cans here at CD's. Okay. Nice. Mine got super frothy. Hey, I didn't spill mine this week, guys. Cheers. That's Cheers good. to that. Salute. Is it beating your heat, Bob? Sure is. Refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> you said heat, right? Of course. Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah, this is, I mean, there is a lot of lime in this, but I, I am digging it. It's got, uh, it's very sort of caramelly, very malty almost. And I, I feel like I'm down on the uh, Tex-Mex border, you know, now that I start drinking this, you know. This is the type of thing they might serve up at a, um, maybe a little uh, roadside restaurant or something down in the Dallas area. Yeah, uh, Fort Worth, um, which apparently that's where uh, CD's Bar is located. And I did a little Google Maps um, from Dallas to Fort Worth. 30 minutes. Oh, not bad. Yeah. If you drive it as fast as Walker does, I mean, uh, the speed limits down there are all like 80 anyways. So you can get I mean, there in like 10 minutes. Yeah, and his pickup truck, I mean, probably cut that in half at least. Easily. Oh, yeah. Easily. <laughs> it did some jumps. You might know the, mm-hmm. all the secret jumps to get there. Most definitely. Now, it's been a while since I put a lime in a Corona. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've had a Corona, maybe because of the whole virus, you know. You know, th- yeah. yeah. It's, it's kind of racist, but okay, Bob. Yeah, yeah, okay, keep sorry. Going. Keep going with what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but it literally <laughs> tastes like I, I dropped a lime in here, you know? I guess they did the all the work flavors. for you. So they really did. Even the smell, it's like, yeah, it smells like lime. Yeah. It, it kind of tastes like, uh, like a Negro Modelo with a lime in it. And yeah. you don't have to get that nasty pulp. You know, especially with the coronavirus out there, you don't want to put a lime in your beer. That's that's what I've been told. You don't know where that lime has been. 
got to wash your produce first. Yeah, I put the lime in the dishwasher first. Two <laughs> two cycles. Just to be safe. You use the lime detergent, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, that way it doesn't you know, throw it off too much. Yeah, make your dishes taste real good. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm feeling adventurous, I use the lemon detergent, so then you get a lemon-lime when it comes out. Ooh, like Sprite? <laughs> Just washing your dishes in Sprite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that works, too. Yeah, the carbonation has stain-fighting powers. Oh, for sure. <laughs> As we sit here and sip our sweet limey libations... Perhaps we need to uh, take a little dip into the mailbag, see what's going on there. Yeah, man. Uh, Kyle Feldman reached out to us on Facebook, and he said, The only Walker podcast? Unbelievable. I just bought season two, so that's pretty awesome, right? Yeah, season two is probably one of the best. And we do want to give a shout out to some other uh, Walker podcasts of yore. Um, there are actually two different versions of uh, a Walker podcast named Talker. Texas Ranger, um, and I've listened to a few episodes of each, and they're great too. They go chronologically, which is cool, but we we kind of want to do it a little bit differently with the roulette. So it's kind of like you would experience on syndication anyway. You're not quite sure what you're going to get these days when you turn on the TV and Walker's there throwing roundhouse kicks. Could be season five, could be season two. It doesn't really matter to you. Doesn't really matter to me. It shouldn't matter to you. <laughs> Yeah, I guess we are kind of uh, we're kind of simulating what you get on TV these days, aren't we? Mm-hmm. I don't know. The ones that I record, they go in order, but they do omit certain episodes, and I'm not sure why. But those are the ones that I've been recording, filling up my hard drive. Syndication are usually like season eight, and then they kind of start in sequential order for that month because they probably bought a certain season for that amount of time or something. Mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, but we're getting into the weeds. Oh, Kyle, yeah. welcome aboard. Uh, we're glad you got season two. That's a great season. Um, it's right when Walker's kind of getting into stride and uh, a lot of awesome Walker action for sure in season two. Absolutely. I had a little bit of excitement uh, early this week. I was visiting the parents, helping them set up a um, Google Chromecast, which like I barely understand, but uh, teaching uh, how to use a Chromecast when you barely understand it to someone who definitely doesn't understand it is um a a fun task but uh while i was looking for the physical chromecast itself which ended up not being attached to the tv because the tv was already a smart tv um (laughs) i i was looking on the back of the set top box and standing on a chair and i noticed a dvd case in the in the back of the cabinet and realized it was our lost season seven of Walker Texas Ranger, which we, we ended up having to buy another another set of it because we, for some reason, didn't realize that we had lost it. Oh, so we did have that. <laughs> we, That's funny. we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you guys were here in Nashville and we we're like trying to get this all together, that's the season you guys bought over at McKay's. <laughs> yep, that's right. Yep. Uh, yeah. So we also got some uh, some sweet fan mail from our self proclaimed one and only super fan, Kevin. <laughs> Uh, and Kevin, he wanted to make three points. He just uh, he just watched the episode uh, Iceman, um, and uh, he realized that the digital timer prop that was used in the final bomb in that episode uh, is actually the exact same timer that they used in the Guardians. Um, so that kind of plays along with our with this idea we have that that they basically have this um, 
It's probably like a big Tupperware chest or a Tupperware tub, <laughs> and it's just got all their props in it. Like and fake Uzis. And yeah, they, well, fake Uzi. There's only one of them, <laughs> and they use that all the time. Um, but I guess also the digital timer they use for bombs. Yeah, but Kevin has a, a more interesting take, I think. He thinks that the Iceman moonlights as an eco-terrorist, <laughs> thinking that the characters themselves. He's getting into the Walker universe, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. trying to dig in. Whereas we're explaining it, you know, how it actually probably happened and they're filming it. He's taking it to a whole nother level. I gotta, I gotta give him props for that. That's mm. true. He's, he's, uh, he's definitely a super fan. He may be more of a fan of the show than us. Uh, it's possible. They're out there. <laughs> so he has another point here. If you'll remember, uh, the Iceman starred the guy who played uh, Bernie from Weekend at Bernie's. And he was the Iceman. He also was another character, Charlie, in the episode, who just coincidentally looked like this mad bomber, the Iceman, who they sent undercover. So when Charlie walks into the Lone Star Bar dressed as the Iceman, Kevin says his first thought was that the music playing was a direct ripoff of Enter Sandman by Metallica, which we'll have to go back and listen to and see uh, (laughs) if it was. But he said, my thought was that the composer, Kevin Kiner, would have named the song Enter Iceman. (laughs) He he continues to say, this thought weighed on me for at least four hours of my (laughs) workday. I scoured the internet for Kevin Kiner's BMI credits with no success in finding the song. It remains a great mystery. <laughs> but let's not tell Kevin's boss about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we appreciate it. One of the benefits of working from home, right? Right. True. <laughs> for yeah. sure. For sure. And, yeah, his last point here is that he's formally requesting that we add walkie-talkie intimidation as an official stat going forward. <laughs> I think we already have that, right? We don't have it as a stat, but we do have a hashtag going. But hashtag. It has been happening so much. Actually, may happen more often than uh, roundhouse kicks, quite honestly. Mm, possibly. It's Close. definitely, I mean, it, it, it really does happen, I think, in three of the first four episodes we did. But after that, it kind of slows down. I don't think he has one until this series that we're doing right now, right? Well, he does two, because I think in the last episode, he again did a video message with him. Uh, he two did one at the ago, end yeah. of the first. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. in the end of the last one, if I'm not mistaken, am I correct? You are mistaken. No, how does he talk to him? Because he talks to him at the end. He talks to him at the end of the second one, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, because it's yeah. just like, he's just like looking at information about, all right, all right. These recaps are killing me. Yeah, pretty much. I think uh, Kevin's comment there is really showing us that in uh, these times of corona, we're all kind of going mad. And uh, <laughs> to, to compound that even more, we haven't been able to spin the roulette wheel at all. We've been stuck in this Groundhog's Day of to be continued. The chairman saga. <laughs> That's what it should be called. <laughs> all right, well, now that we've warmed our seats and wet our whistles... We're ready for yet another mainframe hacking, knuckle sandwich packing episode. (laughs) (laughs) If you're watching along at home and don't want any spoilers, hit pause and watch season 9 episode 8, Redemption, and come back to us. Welcome back. Let's dig in, boys. This episode originally aired on November 25th of the year 2000. Again, it picks back up with the Walker-led task force assigned by Washington. 
So after federal undercover agents were being murdered, a U.S. senator handpicked Walker to assemble a task force to take down the chairman and his super hacker assistant slash live-in roommate, the wizard, and end (laughs) the reign of terror. So this task force, consisting of his fellow Texas Rangers Gage, Sidney, and Walker's longtime partner, Trevette, has systematically taken down the chairman's clients over the last three episodes, uh, with Walker's assistant district attorney, Alex, keeping Washington up to speed on the team's progress. Mm. Also joining the gang for this fourth episode, we have uh, stock sitcom New York City cop Sergeant Vincent Rossetti. Spaghetti. Every stereotype you can think of. And the Chloe O'Brien slash Felicity Smoke-esque quirky hot convict hacker chick named Buzz, who last episode won a hack-off with the wizard while he attempted to make an airplane go down in which Gage and Sidney were attempting to deliver a witness to custody. Needless to say, the chairman grounded the wizard for the weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Confused? Don't worry. Walker, Texas Ranger is an art form of broad, lackadaisical strokes, and none of this really matters anyways. (laughs) <laughs> well i'm really glad that you summed that up there for a seven yeah i think it was a bit more thorough than the recap that starts this episode out um <laughs> as we've noted uh as these episodes have kind of been going down and rating that in the last two episodes the best part of those episodes have been the recap from the prior episode <laughs> um, although I will say that this uh, this recap was pretty lame because last episode was pretty lame. Yeah, it was kind of like a, uh, it's been degrading. The recap section of the episodes has been degrading as they've been going down. This one really just covered the last episode. It did. And it was like all in the plane and it was just, <laughs> Yeah, and that last one. That was, a, that was a low bar. It did remind me of one thing I forgot to point out last week, which was... Um, Walker's using this coffee mug, and it's like it looks like it holds a gallon of coffee. It's the most ridiculous-looking coffee mug. It also looks like it would never tip over. It's very wide at the base. I've got my my uh, coffee mug sitting here. I got from a different podcast here, the Music and Theory podcast. It doesn't look that big to you guys on the Zoom chat, but this thing's a monster. It's, it's got to be at least two cups of coffee. They uh, got us these awesome mugs. Coffee first than podcast so nice keep that take on my a desk slightly here. different approach though so. i'm gonna start drinking my beer out of this mug i just gotta do it shout out to those guys um they have an awesome music podcast where they talk music nerd stuff it's awesome they're out of the northeast as well uh music and theory podcast and um yeah check it out i will say that mug must be huge because you held it up and my heart skipped a beat i thought it was a roll of toilet paper <laughs> it does look like a <laughs> uh, So after our lame recap, we zoom in on something that's perhaps even more lame, which is Walker sitting at his desk comparing spreadsheets. I don't understand what he's doing. <laughs> I mean, you, you um, got to do your expense report when you're a government something. worker. He's, he's yeah. very intent on looking back and forth at two pieces of paper and a folder. Yeah, he's, he's in middle management now, obviously. So. Yeah. I mean, last episode, he literally did nothing. He delegated everything in the last episode. So that was my fear going into this one. And, you know, that opening scene, it kind of scared me for a minute there. You know, he's doing spreadsheets and then Buzz, the hacker, calls everyone in. She apparently has hacked into the FBI's wiretaps, which, why does she have to hack into the FBI stuff? Because aren't they working with the FBI? Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think, wasn't she trying to help Walker convert, like, an Excel spreadsheet to a numbers doc? I think it was a PDF, yeah. but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I guess she intercepted some secret FBI wiretap that the FBI didn't share with them. Uh, that some sort of weird transfers going down in St. Louis between the DeSanto mob, which we know is one of the chairman's clients, and uh, some Asian syndicate. Buzz is asking if people knew about some computer chip theft, mm-hmm. and Trevette like, immediately pipes up, $50 million, two men killed. It's like he's... I don't know. He's like some well, sort of... Um, he's normally the techie guy on Walker, so Trevette probably reads like... Uh, tech hacker monthly yeah he maybe he's like the stats guy he's also a football player too ex-football player so i mean he's got the brains and the brawn it's true so uh yeah anyways they decide to uh quote unquote crash the party and uh yeah that is exactly what they do they gun onto st louis uh and bust up the desanto mob <laughs> and uh how does how does that bust open, Bob? Uh, I believe with a dump truck just randomly <laughs> crashing through a wall or to a garage door or something. <laughs> yeah. I have to admit, I was kind of taken by surprise. I was kind of nodding off during that first scene. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was like, whoa, we had Walker in that fight, right? So right uh, off the bat. I yeah, was who our, was I behind was... the wheel of the dump truck? <laughs> oh, was he? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> so that was immediately a sign that, oh, Walker is back. The Walker we've missed, you know, for a guy who was in a movie missing in action, he was not missing in action in this episode, right? It's very true. Uh, although I will say that his hair in this scene is really weird looking. It looks like a, a helmet made out of hair. <laughs> it's very strange. It's the late 90s perm kind of look. Yeah, but his hair looks normal the rest of the episode. It's just this one scene. Maybe they filmed it later. I don't know. But... <laughs> Uh, anyways, yeah, there's a lot of jumping around, um, and, you know, there's a, a good, it's a classic, uh, Walker fight, you know, there's a lot of hand-to-hand combat, but also just kind of willy-nilly shooting handguns around, and people jumping all over the place. It's vintage Walker, and, and any blow that's made in this episode, sound effects are, they're off the chart. Oh, they're right there, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I, I was watching this episode with headphones, you know, a couple times when blows were landed, particularly kicks, I had to sort of uh, take my headphones off and, and check to make sure that uh, there wasn't a thunderstorm going on outside. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like you were just eating an apple. Yeah, it was like the gods were bowling, you know. <laughs> and they were, and they were. <laughs> To the uninitiated, uh, it would look like the Rangers basically murdered every bad guy in the warehouse, <laughs> except for one dude. And that one dude, they got him to squeal. Of course. Yeah. Um, and just as he's squealing, the chairman gets a little video call from DeSanto, who says, <laughs> that damn cowboy has to die. And uh, the chairman really gets an earful from DeSanto. But just as DeSanto's talking... Sounds like the gods are playing thunder right outside DeSanto's door. God's closing in, huh? Yeah. What's that noise? <laughs> Boom. DeSanto, taken down by Walker, our second virtual Walker talkie. And Walker, in the quietest shoes ever, walks over behind his desk because they always have like the computer monitor uh, video chat set up on their desk. So 
he kind of walks behind it, and the chairman keeps talking to DeSanto, who's been apprehended in the quietest way possible. And Walker kind of walks around, and then they're face-to-face again. Walker and the chairman. I mean, look, Kevin Wallach, he's onto something here. This happens a lot. Walker talkies are quite frequent. For those of you not familiar with what a Walker talkie is, you can check out our um, our Walker glossary. Um, <laughs> and on that, we talk about what a Walker talkie is. Yeah. But it's basically when uh, Walker uses a communication device used by a bad guy to intimidate other bad guys using that same device. Most frequently on a walkie-talkie, but um, in this case, video chat. So, I mean, really... Up with the modern times, uh, you know, even about 20, 20 years ago, he was zooming. So <laughs> I got to give it to these guys. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like these episodes have been giving me some, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm working while I'm doing them because it's like I'm watching more zooms. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, we cut from that epic Walker talkie to a tender scene of some, some girl talk between uh, Buzz and Sydney. You know, there's been a, I'm not going to say it's palpable, but it's present amount of sexual tension between Buzz and Gage, I guess. So Buzz is basically just asking Sydney if uh, Gage is single and if uh, <laughs> if, if uh, Sydney's hitting that up. And, uh, you know, Sydney says all the right things. But uh, this is where we learn that Sydney is actually... Um, She's, like, doing security for Buzz. So, like, when Buzz goes home... Her pledge. Uh, yeah, Sydney goes back and uh, is her, her protector. Because um, in the first episode of this, Buzz was in prison, and Trevette got her out because of her hacking skills to aid the task force to take on the chairman. So they probably had to assign somebody to take care of her. And if they assigned Gage to Buzz, well... Then we know what would have happened. But anyways, so those two are having this conversation on the way to the task force headquarters office, where we basically see a giant PowerPoint slide that's really <laughs> sloppily put together of just like skeezy looking dudes, and they play it off like that's a, a who's who of all the mob bosses mm. that are left, <laughs> and they're all talking about setting traps and things like that, and. You know, Buzz is getting creeped out by the fact that they're using themselves as bait. But, uh, you know, Gage reassures her that, quote, this bait bites back. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, these guys, um, they calculate that they've taken out two-thirds of the clients from the chairman. But uh, it quickly cuts to the chairman who's having, uh, he's brought the clients online. Mm-hmm. In other words, he's brought the Zoom from hell back up. <laughs> and uh you know i think the zoom has like nine squares only three of the guys have been taken out do you think like each one of those squares because this is like the this was this 2000 this episode yeah this yeah. is like it's like each one of them was like an individual tv right like a 13 inch <laughs> crt monitor so there are like nine tvs up there let's say and only a third of them are blank so they haven't taken out two-thirds of his clients. They've only taken out like a couple of them. The clients are getting pretty upset here because they're paying the chairman 15 mil. And uh, the chairman... A year. Yeah, a year. For his murder punch <laughs> subscription service. <laughs> yeah, so basically so that he can uh, help them rat out any moles that are in their uh, in their organizations. But unfortunately, this is bringing more heat onto him because Walker's task force is taking down all his clients. And so the chairman says, look, guys, 
I'm working on it. I've got all the info on the task force. I'm taking them down, but I'm going to need a little bit more of an investment from you guys. I need your best dude, each of you. <laughs> this Yeah, this seems a little odd. It's kind of like, yeah, um, I'm sorry that we aren't doing what you paid us to do. Give me your best employees to do your job for you. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I thought that was ridiculous, too. And then one of the guys actually points that out. One of the guys is like, wait a second, you want us to send you our guys? Yeah, well, he makes the point that they're the ones that are at risk. So, Oh, oh yeah. Th- then, uh, yeah, the chairman's like, hey, no skin off my back. I'm trying to help you guys. And then the guy's like, okay, I'll send my best man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this dude's like, hey, your batting average is lousy. And they said, uh, you screw up, we'll come for you. <laughs> come for the chairman. And and the chairman has been talking some, some mean talk these last few episodes. Like, like huh, I know everything about you guys, so don't cross me, as he proved in the first episode of the series. Everything's falling apart for him. Yeah, he's really starting to sweat. And this episode, he takes all of that aggression out on, like, this really gross punching bag. Uh, who's the punching bag? It's just the punching bag. Who is? The episode? The punching bag. His punching bag. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he gets a literal of, punching bag. I was like, yeah. wait. Okay. Yeah, we're talking about Walker here. It's literal. Yeah, he literally has, like, a punching bag that once he gets off a phone call, he goes over and has, like, a uh, mm, like teenage hissy fit against it's foreshadowing. It's like when he fought Lazarus. It's showing that, like, he can throw a punch, you know? Yeah. And then this one, he had, like, a couple weird, like, references, like, boxing references. So we're supposed to think that he, like, used to box or something. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, uh, they're kind of saying, hey, this guy, he knows his way around a punch. Yeah. Yeah. The last episode, the wizard and the chairman had a little bit of a falling out because, mm. you know, the, the chairman witnessed... Um, the the wizard's the, failings really yeah when, on the uh, flight he, simulator <laughs> <laughs> yeah the wizard wasn't able to take down the plane that Gage and Sydney were on with one of the chairman's clients accountants who was going to testify against them and he couldn't even take down a damn charter plane yeah ah man I gotta tell you and and the wizard right he was trying really hard but he was up against Buzz and then he just couldn't pull through and and the wizard. He got near full from the chairman. Chairman said, if you do that again, I'm going to kill you, essentially. So it becomes apparent that uh, something's going down and that the chairman's on the run and uh, he's really getting nervous. And Buzz starts getting information about hitmen and, and strong arms that are that are coming into town. And he puts two and two together and realizes that the chairman's putting together a, a death squad, which is what he calls it. <laughs> he yeah. says, it's, yeah. it's, it's starting. <laughs> He's putting together a death squad. Yeah. Which honestly, definitely the most badass part of this episode. It is like he's putting together a death squad of all his customers' goons. Yeah. Right. Not even his own guys. Right, right. To take down the task force. That they have a brief little scene with Alex. It's like the first time we've seen Alex in like three episodes. Right when that happened, I go, Oh man. Like <laughs> I know where this is gonna go. Like this is so obvious and oh, so for sure. just uh so that that began my sighing in this episode. I mean, you gotta oh, yeah. you know when Superman's fighting, you know, in between that, you gotta show Lois Lane every once in a while. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, and yeah, but you have to show Lois Lane when it's obvious that she's going to become part of the. Oh, I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah so so they start getting tips on on all the these guys that are coming in from out of town who are clearly there to take them out and and buzz is something that that once again it's a pop culture reference that dates this episode and says that she she thinks they're on an episode of jerry springer um, <laughs> which very well could have been on on the, on the same station a couple is that hours the one, prior is that the one with kramer and elaine that's seinfeld uh, all right i'll have to go back and check that springer thing okay yeah oh, thanks <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She makes another comment about feeling like she's being used as bait. Trevette has some wise words. He says, "A smart general chooses the battlefield." Mm, and yeah. uh, there's there's a lot of uncomfortable eye contact between everyone and Walker, who's <laughs> probably just he just looks like he's staring off at the wall. He doesn't look uncomfortable, but everyone else does. <laughs> so um, he's the smart general, and everyone else is uncomfortable about his decision, except uh, Trevette. Apparently, yeah, yeah. yeah all right. Yeah. What you're saying here is pretty much Walker makes the decision that, hey, we know that the chairman's on to us and he's coming for us, so we're going to make ourselves the bait. Yeah, for sure. And he's essentially setting the trap for the chairman to come at him. They have intel on where these guys are, so he figures why not take the fight to these guys before they have a chance to, to group together to take us down. We'll take these guys down one by one. The uh, kill squad. Yeah. Yeah. So Walker knows where the kill squad guys are. So he decides, hey, we might as well take the fight to them before they take it to us. He sends uh, he sends Team One, which is uh, Trevette and Rosetti, mm. to Spaghetti. Uh, to check out this guy Kingsley, who's apparently bad news. And they visit a local pimp who <laughs> goes who goes by the name Sweetness. That was so good. <laughs> That was the best name. Come come on now. I actually rewound that and I was like, wait, what is his name? Because they keep referring, they're like, they address him as sweetness. (laughs) So listen, sweetness. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) Is that his name or is that some sort of weird term of endearment? Uh, A little bit of both. So they learned from Sweetness that he delivered a couple of his assets to um, this guy who he describes as Kingsley and some other dude with white hair that apparently is uh, called Frosty. <laughs> but uh, Frosty, uh, he works that name, at Wendy's. Yeah, <laughs> he's a vanilla Frosty, and that that name only comes up once. And I sort of thought when I heard it, like Clarence Gilliard is just ad libbing names here, and he's like, "Oh, it sounds like Frosty." Okay, we'll we'll go with it. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there was pickle. <laughs> <laughs> so they hear about this hotel, right? And they're like, "Okay, we're gonna go to this hotel and try to take these guys out." But it's sort of a dead end. And when they're leaving the hotel, what happens? Frosty and Kingsley roll up on them as they're driving down the road and just start blasting at them. And luckily, <laughs> it was a Trevette sees them in the rear view. Just in time to be like, get down. And then they both hit the deck inside the car, and then bullets come in, and they miss. And Pretty sick car chase here. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since we've seen one of them. What's the play-by-play here? Well, I, I can set the stage. Uh, Rosetti and Trevette, Trevette's driving. They're cruising around in a black mid-90s Mustang convertible. <laughs> but they've got the windows up, because the windows have to be up to show that they got shot at, because the windows get broken. Kingsley and Frosty roll up. Frosty's got a shotgun, and uh, Kingsley's driving, and I think they're in, like, a mid-'90s, like, crappy Ford sedan. (laughs) 
But uh, yeah, a short but intense car chase ensues. Uh, they crash through multiple thin wood walls. I think a fence maybe and like a door. Unlike most car chases that end in an explosion or uh, absolute defeat, the hitmen being pursued, they actually stop the car, get out and start opening fire. What happens, Bob? Well, they roll up into this huge open lot, right? So that... <laughs> Convenient. So yeah, they get, they get these guys you know, engaged in gunplay and there's a guy up on the roof. They don't know about it. And right when Trivette turns around to see this guy who was sniping Rosetti spaghetti. Trivette's left on his own. Trivette gets shot too. And at this point you're like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what to think. I thought they killed both Trivette and Rosetti. I'm like, what? No. So they've got Kevlar vest on, right? They were both shot once in the chest. And I'm like, I'm like, Rosetti got shot. Yes. And then I'm like, Trivette got shot. No. Yeah, that means they're both fine. Like, if, if one of them goes and they play really dramatic music, it's like, oh, no, he's actually dead. It was like, like, who can say where the goes? <laughs> um, so, yeah, they both get taken out and they both get shot. You know, these three professional hitmen are like, okay, this one cop got shot once in the back and this one cop got shot once in the chest. <laughs> Let's get out of here. Wrap it up. We're not under any pressure. There aren't any other cops anywhere else. They didn't even call this in, so there are no cops coming. And to their credit, they're not detectives. So I guess, but still, like, come on now. you got to double tap that or something. <laughs> They've not, they haven't heard of the double tap. No, I guess this is pre-zombie land, right? So. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah, so they just roll off. And uh, commercial break. You know, I don't know about you, Bob, but uh, I was watching the DVD version, so... Uh, there was no time to think whether or not they were dead. You basically come right back to the scene and Trivette gets back. He gets up. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's when I realized that apparently if you get if you have a Kevlar vest and you get shot, then you get knocked out because that's what happened to both of them, right? Yeah, for so sure. So they both are unconscious for a few minutes and then both come, come to around the same time. They were acting, or do you think that was... Oh, they did kind of come to as if it was like... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, they, like pulled a slug out of his vest. Yeah. Like getting shot with a Kevlar vest is kind of like the same effect as roofies. It would seem so, yeah. Yeah. Could be. So, you know, they're totally fine. Uh, they say something along the lines of, you know, thank God for Kevlar. And then they were like, what did we do last night? <laughs> <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> Why are my pants all wet? <laughs> Why does my mouth taste like spaghetti? <laughs> <laughs> So they're fine, and uh, this is uh, where we learn that they're okay uh, in person, but then we see the chairman um, calling out his hitman, who we learn is is, uh, is Kane, who I, I think we heard about or, or saw in the background. Last episode. In, in an episode prior, I think, yeah. yeah. And uh, he's like, you got to shoot him in the head next time, and Kane's like, oh, okay, okay, that's good. <laughs> oh, they didn't teach me that in murder school. and you know for a little bit of levity or something we uh we come into another tender scene uh, featuring buzz and this time it's a little combo between buzz and uh and gage oh i couldn't um, wait for this scene to be over honestly this is when we learn that sydney's been like buzz's security guard basically and i guess this is like a 
a really terrible pickup line for Gage, but she's like, I'm beginning to think I'm maybe not that much of a feminist. You know, I don't, I feel like I want a guy protecting me, not, not Sydney. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, and you know, I expected Gage <laughs> to like stand up for his partner and be like, you know, Sydney's like a badass and she saved my bacon multiple times, but he didn't say anything like that. I feel like there was maybe a, a story that got edited out here. He was like, oh yeah, if you can help me with my hotmail, I'll check out your inbox. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably on the cutting room floor, right? <laughs> Definitely. You've got mail. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, yeah, a really awkward scene that uh, doesn't go anywhere and um, is never paid off. So, anyways, they basically go down and, and they shake down uh, Sweetness and because, you know, clearly it was a setup. And Sweetness is like, okay, 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 okay. I'll tell you where I actually took my uh, ladies to see these guys. Sweetness misled Rosetti and Trivette to go where he said his prostitutes went, who were, you know, if you're in the, the death squad, you need to blow off some, some steam with some strippers at the I very guess, least. I guess. So I guess that was the, the line of thought, but it was a trap. I mean, that's that's the first thing you do when you come into Dallas. <laughs> you find sweetness. <laughs> One way or the other. And I don't think you need to specify that that he's a pimp because his name is Sweetness. <laughs> Come on, so now. I think it kind of explains itself. So true. I don't know. I think when I hear Sweetness, I I think uh, I think candy, and when I think candy, I think prostitute. There you go. Call me right, crazy. Call me hey, crazy. You're good. Okay. Uh, so, anyways, he he tells them where he actually dropped off his prostitutes, and it's some weird. What looks like it, like the outside could be a music store, but the inside is a, is a bar called the Blue Cat Blues, which I think the only reason it's called this is because they went by like a salvage yard and they found some <laughs> some like a electric signs that say like blue and cat and blues, and they just put them together <laughs> to make a bar sign. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Walker comes along. And uh, they they bust some serious skulls at the Blue Cat Blues, including like a sort of afterthought blow to the bouncer who's telling him that yeah. no one's there. He's Walker just, just like right, yeah. he like brushes him aside, and it sounds like a freaking thunderclap. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this guy looks like he just owns the place. He doesn't know what's going on. He's mopping. <laughs> Walker doesn't say he's a police officer and just basically goes. Uh, all right, guys, this is from 2000. Owner Doug Henry has a reputation among some musicians for not always following through with his promises and doing business at the expense of others. While that may be true, Henry's club has a reputation for being the best place in town to see and hear the blues, a place steeped in tradition, but not overwhelmed by it. It actually exists. The Blue Cat Blues is an actual place. It existed in 2000 when this article came out in the Dallas Observer and right around the time where this episode aired. It looks like it's since closed. <laughs> it looks like a pile of rubble in its, in the Google thing, but it did exist. So. We'll put that on our stop when we tour Dallas. You know. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we should. That's definitely what we should do. We should do a Walker, Texas Ranger road trip. A Dallas road trip. I, I'm totally down. Most yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, we'll put the former location of Blue Cat Blues on there. Yeah, yeah. It, it currently looks like a pile of rubble. Maybe that's what happened once Walker came through it. Yeah, or the guy was shady. It sounds like in the article is a shady owner, but, I mean, what music venue doesn't? We did get some Walker fighting here, though, so that was good. Yeah, for sure. 
Second um, Walker fight scene of the episode. Yeah. Yeah, they're so, really paying off. Yeah. Which is, yeah, again, like, I think in this whole four episodes so far, um, or in the three episodes prior, there were two Walker fights in the three episodes. Already having two in this episode, mm, excellent. Yeah, not not too bad. So, yeah, they, they bust some skulls. They take out a bunch of the Death Squad, and including Kingsley and Frosty. Um <laughs> And uh, while they're doing this, uh, Sydney and Gage are going to take down uh, Dan Strickland, who has a really lame name and uh, is a really lame bad guy. Uh, he's just hanging out in a house, really easy to track. And he was last seen with another hitman called the Serb. And so they go in, they bust in, pretty easily take out Dan Strickland. And they realize that Dan Strickland, he's got a damsel in distress in there. Oh, you know. No. And Gage is like, look, I'm so sorry. What did this guy do to you? And she's like, I don't know. I he, I don't know. Yeah. Draw your own conclusions what he did to me. And Sydney's like giving her the stank eye like. Yeah, like, oh, she, she's going to move in on him just like Buzz. And I'm right, just going to be here much. his partner and on the sideline in the friend zone. Right, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, the damsel in distress is behind Gage as he's putting Dan Strickland in the car. She's all nervously glancing around and everything. And then she commits. She pulls up her skirt <laughs> and right on her leg on inner garter is a stiletto. And at this point, our minds are racing. We go what? back to the we go back to the report. Wait, the Serb. The Serb uses a stiletto to murder all of <laughs> his. Oh wait. Her victims? He's a she, baby. <laughs> the Serb is a girl? <laughs> and it looks like the Serb's about to stab Gage, but uh, worry not. Sydney does what she does best and catapults in a somersaulting <laughs> fashion off of some immovable object, in this case, a car. She Maybe moved a like tree, a sandbag doing flips and just... It was yeah. it was insane, right? It was like acrobat style stuff. Yeah, she does crazy flips. Like that's her thing. So she does a flip and knocks the knife out of the Serb's hand. And Gage is all like, What is going on right now? It's like girls be fighting like what? Right, and they're fighting and he draws his weapon because it looks like the Serb's about to get the upper hand, you know? Yeah. And uh then he puts his gun away and smiles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have to hope that he just knows that Sydney's going to beat the Serb, but we're also, not sure. He could have kind of <laughs> helped you know, out, engaged himself, and and hashtag out a little bit. help here. Sure, yeah. Yeah. sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, hashtag backup. Come on now. <laughs> so after this happened, Sydney takes the Serb out, mm-hmm. and With she's no like, trouble. and yeah. she's all like, "Hey, man, you got to be thinking with your brain, not with your." close the car door (laughs) it wasn't close in the door but (laughs) (laughs) Um, but at this point i thought it would cut back to him talking to buzz telling her like look you don't need to worry because sydney can take anyone out but uh that never came to fruition that didn't happen uh this is the most complicated episode i just want to say like there's so many moving parts in this and most of them are pretty pointless I don't know. I think this is less complicated than the other episodes, actually. The, the first episode is the most complicated, actually. He goes to Washington. He sets up all these bad guys. He has all these extra characters that are going to be in the rest of this thing that you had to explain. 
you know, you know I don't remember us- any of that. I just remember him swinging off a helicopter through a window. So. Right. right. Well, they also had, like, we literally had to come up with three or four paragraphs to let people know what's going on with these episodes because it's so convoluted. Very true. Very true. Anyway, the chairman is like, he keeps getting angry phone calls from his customers because the chairman's not delivering. And he's just like, I think he's talking to Chen who's one of his customers, and Chen's like, man, you're not delivering, and if, if you don't, we're going to come for you, Chairman. And Chairman's like, look, hey, look, we're taking care of it. We've got the death squad out, you know, but hey, I don't do this because usually I only talk to my clients via a sketchy Zoom call that pixelates my face, but why don't we meet in person? And Chen's like, oh, meet the Chairman in person? Wow, Okay. So, yeah, and then they learn that Chen's coming into town. So another become, bad guy to kind of muddy the waters here. You know, we kind of see some of the back workings and realize that, you know, the wizard's like, oh, they failed for the bait. and Because <laughs> he's hacked into their cell phone server at this point mm. uh, and can listen to their conversations there. And so we, it's pretty apparent to us that this is going to be a trap for the rangers as they go and try to take down Chen, who's another client of the chairman. Um, so they meet at a church and go in and the chairman's outside for some reason i don't know why well he's Um, watching because nobody knows what the chairman looks like the way he the chairman normally dresses is kind of like in a black suit with a black button-up shirt no tie or anything he kind of just looks like a limousine driver so he's probably like i'll stand up by the limo and just case the place and see if the rangers come because they have no idea what i look like it's true and i think he probably made a few few dollars tips he could have. You hope so, A little so, yeah. side hustle. <laughs> so the trap is set, and it's sprung. As soon as Chen and uh, his uh, bodyguard, and also they're escorted in there by Kane, mm-hmm. the chairman's henchman, who sniped Trevet and Rosetti earlier. He leads them all in. It's clear that there was a party going on in there, and so he eats some of the catering first. It was like in a place where you'd have like a bar mitzvah or something. I guess it was a church. So it was just yeah. like a church community hall. Yeah. yeah, it's good spread. So we ate some lunch meat. It was then... actually the Walker Craft Services table. <laughs> <laughs> Leftover from earlier that day. <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> club sandwiches, you know, maybe some uh, chicken salad, ham salad kind of thing, you know. <laughs> it's maybe the one from the day prior. And they're like, Ooh. oh, no, no, don't throw that out. We're going we're gonna to flip some people into it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you can you go through and flip the uh, pieces of sweaty cheese over to the other side, please? <laughs> yeah, what we didn't know is that uh, after eating that, the uh, the actor who plays Kane was uh, bound up for three weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had a different kind of virus. He had to file a grievance with the union, I think, on that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm Man. never eating chicken salad again. Right, they put out the spread, and it was a day old. It was awful. <laughs> the Dallas heat. Dallas heat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dry heat. So uh, so, anyways, the rangers think that they're springing the trap on Chen. Yeah. But then uh, they come out. Team 1 and Team 2 come out, and they pull their weapons, and, and they think they've got the upper hand on uh, these three bad guys. And then uh, Kane's like, no way. Let me say free. It was really weird. <laughs> like, they tried to give Kane some sort of personality, but he yeah. really only has, like, one speaking part in the entire series. So it's really lame. He's like, now the trap is on you. It just kind of cut to like goons behind them with guns. Yeah. Yeah. Instantly. So, there was no suspense. It just happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, 
Oh, well, Chen got the drop on them. So yeah, like the Rangers face the chairman's goon and the goons behind him with guns and it was a trap. You're kind of thinking like, where the hell is Walker? Ask and ye shall receive. (laughs) When you're wondering where Walker is and things don't look like they're going very well for the crew, you better believe he's coming out. Look look behind you. Yeah, look behind you. So then he he grabs, what's his name, right? Um, Yeah, he comes up up from behind the stage curtain and gets Kane, right? It's Kane. (laughs) At gunpoint. Which is kind of funny because right when that happened, I'm like, well, these guys don't give a shit about him. It'd be like, true. Go ahead, kill him. I don't care. We work for the chairman, not you, Kane. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Walker kind of leverages Kane to free the Rangers, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Well, no, but he kind of creates a distraction, and uh, that's enough for uh, Walker to fight Kane and everyone else to kick the guns away from their <laughs> right, right, yeah, their oppressors and take them out. Which they needed Walker to make the distraction for. They couldn't have just done that to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah. he's like the 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 conductor, right? He's the leader. I get it. Okay. Task force supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> he was making sure everyone showed up for work and they did their job. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone's sort of fighting their their oppressors. You know, Rosetti's taking on this big Asian dude who apparently fights Kung Fu. He takes the guy out by uh, stuffing his face into a punch bowl and asking him if he'd like a nice Hawaiian punch. <laughs> yeah, that's right. How about a nice Hawaiian punch? <laughs> that's a wise crack in New Yorker if you ever saw one. He's doing a cameo, and he's a guest star in these four episodes. We we gotta give him a really good move for the last one. Yeah. Let's do the Hawaiian punch thing. So they're all they're all taking out their captors, uh, and uh, Walker's fighting Kane, and uh, you know he fights dirty. He's got all the tricks. He's got like a giant knife and all this other stuff. And but anyways, he gets uh, he gets the crap kicked out of him because Walker wins all the time. But not before Walker gets just kind of like a, a cut across his stomach. Is that what happens? Oh, yeah. We don't really see it happen, and we don't really know it happened until it's after implied. the fight. Yeah. yeah well, after the fight, and then Walker looks down, and he's like, oh, I guess I have a giant cut <laughs> in my side. I, was I didn't doing, even notice. <laughs> I was fighting with ridiculous form with this cut that I didn't know I had, but now I, oh, I feel in it now. <laughs> the chairman, he's gotten out of there because, you know, the tables had turned. He knows exactly what his end game is. <laughs> um, he so he gives assistant district attorney Alex Cahill a call, and perhaps this is insight into why assistant district attorney Alex Cahill, Alex Cahill ne- Walker, sorry yeah. Alex Cahill Walker, has never made the leap to district attorney Alex Cahill Walker <laughs> in ten whole seasons or, or in nine whole seasons. She still yep. has the same job, you know. Yeah, she's been under. Heavy, um, what do you call it? She had like bodyguards around her always. Heavy surveillance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And she, so she's like, she wouldn't do anything without these bodyguards. Yeah. Um, like, except think- for answer the call to the chairman posing as a doctor or something like that, <laughs> saying that, that Walker was hurt. So she's like, I'll be right there. And then leaves her protection behind, of right. course. Yeah. And he's like, I have a car waiting in the basement for you. <laughs> yeah. Not sketchy at all. I also, it has a red flag on it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, man. So, yeah, she walks right into the trap. I guess, like, one of the bodyguards is like, where'd she go? And they're like, oh, she went down to the basement. The bodyguards are all like, see the van, like, peel out before they can do anything. And there it is. Damsel in distress. And, yep. But you know what? We only had this a few times so far, or maybe once before, but when Alex gets kidnapped, that's the highest the stakes get on this show. Okay? Definitely. So you, you know Walker is going to unload with some, some heavy artillery. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah, he, That's the only time he ever, like, breaks protocol. You know, <laughs> like in this episode when yeah. she calls him to basically trick Trevette into giving the phone to Walker. Walker answers, and then he doesn't tell Trevette what's going on. He doesn't tell anybody else. He just goes rogue. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which is exactly what we'd expect, right? Oh, yeah. 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 The chairman calls Walker and kind of says, hey, you can't tell anybody. I've got Alex. Here's where I'm going to be. So right. Walker ghosts the rest of the team. And uh, starts driving off in his Dodge because they worked that in there. And we got to give it like a 20 minute drive for Walker where we can get that Dodge just pumping on the highway. <laughs> just crushing the speed limit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the other team members are like, they put it together real quick and it's all Rosetti. <laughs> like everyone else is like, what's going on? Rosetti's like, oh yeah, he's got Alex. <laughs> yeah. That's why he was, he actually did a good job. I got to give it to Spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, anyways, Rosetti's like, well, he'd tell you what's going on, right? And he says that to Trevette. And Trevette's Walker's partner, and Trevette just doesn't say anything. And yeah. all I can think is, hashtag, one-man army. And then they get a call. They're like, oh, Alex has been kidnapped. And then Rosetti's like, oh, Walker's going after him. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So this is kind of what we've been waiting for. When you have a show that's usually an hour standalone episode, okay, and they already have bombastic fights at the end of pretty much all of these. If you have a four-episode arc in this show, you're expecting an all-up bonanza, am I right? Considering the way this, oh, yeah. this thing started off, right? Absolutely. At the very least, we, who have sat through the last three, <laughs> we really want something. We're expecting a pretty good face-off here right well i would say for me uh half of me was expecting a face-off and half of me was expecting another to be continued <laughs> <laughs> most definitely most definitely so i guess while walker's driving at breakneck speed towards the undisclosed location of the chairman where he's keeping alex hostage uh the rest of the team try to find the wizard in hopes of finding walker is that what happens I, well, yeah, in hopes of yeah, finding. Yeah, I guess so. Because Walker already Walker already gets to the chairman in some random house in the woods, but no one else knows where he is, and obviously Walker's not going to tell them. So yeah, they go to find uh, the wizard. According to Buzz, he's been online, but there's no activity. So she so it's kind of like the down. AOL chat, like been yeah, away from the like computer. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> been away from the computer for about four hours. Yeah, he's, since last he's, time been, he... he's been AFK for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? Away, away from, from keyboard. keyboard. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, so so Buzz though <laughs> she probably does some like hack where she found his location. Why didn't she do that in any of the other episodes? Look, man, because his defenses were down, and we oh. learn why. Yeah, so they they bust into like it looks like a hotel room, and uh, oh, it's like a penthouse suite. Okay, some yeah, the fancy. Chair, the chairman spares no expense. So what happens here, Bob? They bust in. They find uh, the wizard on the floor, and he's been shot. <laughs> <laughs> and we find out by the chairman. 
the chairman turned on the wizard. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And yeah, I was kind of at first a little disappointed because Evan, you you said you thought that Buzz was gonna fight. Yeah, I was I was pretty right. pissed. Yeah. I was really pissed. And <laughs> and Buzz after was get, fight the fight the wizard. Right. And after that scene where um, she's talking to Gage and there's that whole tender thing, she's like, oh, I'm not a feminist anymore. But then there's going to be a scene like later on where Gage is maybe at gunpoint from the wizard and then she punches the wizard out and protects Gage. That would be a really cool story arc too. But no, the wizard's lying on the floor. He's been shot. And we learn, oh, I shared all the information of all the bad guys with you. She's like, why did you do that? And he's like, change of heart. And it's like, it's like the, the wizard, <laughs> he does not deserve that. We just saw him in the recap cackling with glee as an airplane's about to crash down. <laughs> I know, that was quite the turn. <laughs> I think we talked about this last week. You were like, I wouldn't be surprised potentially if he was redeemed or something at the end and that's what happens but yeah there was no hint that there would be like a a redeeming arc for him it just kind of happened with him lying on the floor bleeding with a gunshot wound and she goes why did you do that and he goes change heart (laughs) not acceptable (laughs) i was like oh no he knew who it was she was talking to him he never heard her voice okay buzz he's been hacking back and forth with Buzz these last few episodes. And Buzz goes, oh, wizard. And he goes, Buzz. How did he know it was Buzz? I mean, it doesn't really matter. But he goes... Because she knew he was wizard. Mm. Oh, there you go. Okay. And he goes, in your hot. Yeah, he's like, you're, <laughs> you're, you're pretty. And then he dies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Weren't they, weren't they trying to get, like, the location of the chairman? <laughs> From yep. him, and yep. like they were hoping, and then right before he tells him, he dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the chairman didn't do a very good job with him either, because he shot him and then left him to die slowly. So whoa, he, he didn't even do the double tap. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He he didn't <laughs> do amateur hour over he, here. He was just instructing Kane to shoot everyone in the head, and he <laughs> he gut shot him and left. Well, yeah. I mean. Honestly, though, we were kind of going back and forth if they were lovers or not. So, Well, if they were, it didn't end very well. Not at all. <laughs> Quite the quarrel. I'm, I'm still not willing to say that they definitely were not. <laughs> but we cannot confirm that they were. They had quite the interesting dynamic is what I'm going to say. Yeah. It's know? true. It's and, true. you know, if it works for them, that's great. As long as they mm-hmm. don't kill anybody, that's fine with me. But they were killing people, and it came back to bite them. I think they probably met online. (laughs) You think? (laughs) So, cut from a dramatic death from the wizard to uh, something that's even more melodramatic, which is the chairman's plan for Walker. Classic bad guy here. Yeah. (laughs) They're in an abandoned house in the woods, (laughs) which looks like kind of like a gutted house, kind of run down, or maybe at like a campground somewhere kind of house mm. yeah, yeah yeah it looked yeah. like that yeah mm-hmm. and uh it was completely empty except alex is in the living room in a chair tied up and usually that's enough like i mean he's got a gun he's got her at gunpoint she's bound and he's waiting for walker but there's a bomb at her feet what's that bomb made of mm. c4 yeah it's like it's like a couple of <laughs> there's dynamite and c4 i think and of course an egg timer from a refrigerator yeah it's there <laughs> it's their the classic time. wtr bomb package yeah, yeah I, very classic I, you know this happens a lot and 
I'm curious. I think we need to add a hashtag called Bound with the Bomb. Bound with the Bomb, the Bang the Bang Diddy. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Because, you know, it's like not enough to have Alex kidnap, but they have to have a bomb in there, too. Yeah, raise the stakes, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, that's already happened in the Blown Apart episode, right? So far, it hasn't happened in anything else. In the Guardians, the hostages had landmines next to them. They were bound with bombs next to them. So that's... That happened. That's like the Walker, Texas Ranger equivalent of, you know, the people being tied up on the railroad tracks and Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So she she's there. And of course, you know, Walker busts in because he gets the location. And in the plan, this is this plan is so stupid. <laughs> it's the best plan <laughs> right. ever. He's, he goes, so the chairman's holding Alex in her chair bound with a, with a bomb that's set to go off. In like 15 minutes and uh walker comes in the chairman goes oh you're gonna die i'm gonna wait until there's 15 seconds left on this bomb and then i'm gonna walk out that door and you're gonna have to choose between getting me or saving alex that's the mastermind's plan it's a rock yeah. solid plan <laughs> he says you're gonna be part of my test and it's like his test of what kind of man Walker is. Mm, deep. He's like, I'm going to test how much you love your wife. And then he asks Walker, how much do you love your wife? And Walker offers nothing. <laughs> stone face. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, stone face. Yep. I was like, oh, this is this might be some insight into their relationship. Nope. I mean, yep. well, he's unwavering, though. In the face of danger, he's, he's like, I don't need to deal with this. Just tell me what you're going to do already, chairman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So he's just waiting for that bomb to count down. And he's walking around the room and doing typical bad guy stuff, not paying attention to what's going on in the room and mm-hmm. kind of just blasting off his Bloviating mouth. Bloviating his, his whole plan to Walker. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Again, and, don't you don't tell Batman your plan because he's going to escape. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And when he does, he's going to come for you. So, yeah, uh, the chairman is behind Walker. And Walker's watching the time tick down, and there's there's exactly, like, a minute left. And Walker's like, okay, I only need, like, 15 seconds to take this D-bag out. <laughs> so he, like, just grabs the chair from underneath him and, in poetic justice, smashes the chairman over the face with a with chair. A chair. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> but disarms him immediately. Yeah. And then they go hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. But we know there's only like a minute left in this timer. Oh, that's a, that was their out yeah. to like, oh, we can't have a long fight with the chairman because he can't, actually can't fight. But okay, because he looks like just a really tall soccer dad. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like a soccer ref. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. He put like a striped shirt on him <laughs> and, I think, and a whistle. I think the uh, the chairman got a few punches in, but it wasn't. Yeah, they went at it, but there was really nothing amazing about it. And then the only thing that kind of took the chairman out was just like a kick to the face or something, and then he fell over. Mm. Yeah. Was it a roundhouse? Mm. Did he did he bust there a roundhouse? No, no roundhouses so, no. in that fight. Yeah. Uh, the the chairman is he plays a little dirty and like punches Walker's side wound a couple times. Like that's that yeah. we're supposed to think. Okay, the stakes are raised because you know Walker's wounded or something. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. They literally only put in there that Walker got injured so that they'd be like, okay, well this this fat bad guy might have a chance. 
Well, I mean, we we talked about this last episode. There's the transit of property. Like, if Walker took out Lazarus that easy, and Lazarus took out the chairman that easy, then the chairman's going to be a total pushover. So Walker's (laughs) got to be really handicapped. And so Walker is wounded. He needs stitches on his side. And he's got, like, 15 seconds to take him out. So that's that's the handicap. But uh, things on Walker's side are the fact that the chairman is fat and slow and there's an empty table there just waiting for someone to be smashed through it. So he smashes them <laughs> through a table. Yeah. The, the table's like, break me, break me. <laughs> so some stage hand, they put, they put a tablecloth over me <laughs> just for the sole purpose of you smashing me. Oh my gosh. So he disarms the chairman with enough time to barely get Alex out of the ropes and they exit through the door and then the place blows up behind him with the chairman presumably deceased. Well, the chairman had the off switch in his pocket. He just couldn't hit the button fast enough. And they do have like a shot of him right before the bomb goes off, right? (laughs) Yeah, trying to hit the button. (laughs) If he didn't have the button, then they could have left it open. You know, for something else, for him coming back. But the fact that they showed him trying to hit the button and it apparently didn't work because the house went up. Yeah. Like a son of a bitch. They could have just been like, there were no remains. There was only a chair. So that was really it, though, right? We go back to HQ for a little chuckle and uh, some bad jokes and... Hopefully a goodbye to this uh, guest cast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so what happens here, Evan? Well, I guess the whole sort of moral payoff is that um, they give Buzz a full pardon. Mm. Um, And, like, that's the takeaway here. So for four episodes, they're like, you can uh, redeem yourself by hacking for the Texas Rangers for reduced sentence. And probably breaking all sorts of laws and civil rights (laughs) violations. Right. She also also never gave Trevette back his money. Didn't she steal his money? Oh, yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. They say something about that in the first episode, yeah. (laughs) But she was stealing it back from the wizard, though. So it was really the wizard. But so, yeah, they pretty much, Buzz is like, well, I guess it's back to jail. They're kind of like joking about her freedom, like between the rangers. And they're like, you tell her. No, you tell her. And then Sydney's like, we've got you a full pardon. And Buzz is just overjoyed. And she's like, Gage, I'm going to be over your house all the time now. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it Sydney who told her that? Someone did. I think it was Sydney. It's irrelevant. The fact that they're stringing her along is pretty reprehensible. That was brutal. Yeah, pretty, I thought, pretty I thought awful. that was like, oh, they're making a joke about her like going back to jail. Right. And oh, for the record, you were about to be put in solitary when we took you out. So you'll be put right <laughs> back in there. Jeez. Ice cold. Well, yeah, let's hope we never see Rosetti or uh, Buzz again. But, you know, maybe they did a little spinoff, a couple episodes. Uh, Rosetti and Buzz. Buzz Getty. (laughs) (laughs) Rosetti and Buzz. New York City Justice. She kind of is like the CW hacker chicks. Like anyone on those shows there, they just have like, for the superhero shows, everyone has to have their prerequisite hacker so that they can explain the ridiculous plot. Oh, I just found that out in the computer. Right, right. That's what she was. Um, So thank you, Buzz, for your service to this episode. The MVP for this series was the wizard for me. Your tight-fitting tank tops and extremely loose uh, parachute pants that are (laughs) camouflage will uh, not be missed. Well, that about sums up this episode. 
We'd like to give a shout out to our friend and collaborator, Adam Lauritsen, who's been crafting the amazing weekly walkerstrations on our social media feeds. <laughs> Be sure to check out his other art on Instagram at, at @imaginationrunamuck. But don't you run amok. When we come back, it'll be time for us to each rate redemption on a scale of 0 to 10 boots to the face, resulting in our patented Roundhouse Roulette episode rating, complete results of which are available on our website, roundhouseroulette.com. Don't go away. Welcome back. What did you think of this episode, Bob? Roundhouse rating here. Well, I don't know. I wasn't a fan. I was hoping that if this was going to be the last episode, that we'd have a pretty killer ending here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the ending was just not there. And how they tied up all these loose ends was just lame. <laughs> I mean, we did have a couple of Walker fights. Yeah. And that was really the saving grace. So I didn't go too hard on it. Uh, I gave it a five. It was the middle of the road, especially considering it's the last season and you can't ask for too much, but... I was really hoping for it to be at least as good as the first one in this four-part yeah. hellscape that we've been in. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for the Walker fights, it would have been much lower, but yeah, I give it a five. You give it an extra point just because there was no to be continued at the end. <laughs> right, yeah. Totally. <laughs> I think if this episode was a standalone, it probably would have ranked higher for me, but the fact that you actually had to go through watching those two middle episodes it made it rank lower for me i was right there in the same range uh before we started talking about this i was thinking maybe six but i'm I'm right there with you this is a five definitely well it's interesting that you say that about thinking of it out of context i think in context i was ready to give this thing a five or a four because we've just sat through so much drudgery to get to this point but out of context is a standalone episode this one has some solid walker fights. Uh, it's got a car chase. It's got some explosion at the end. There is a ridiculous villain who's like an action movie star. <laughs> yeah. And Walker has to take him out and break out Alex from a bomb. Yeah, you're right. So like there are a lot of classic Walker uh, things in there. I'm going back to six. But, but this thing is... I'm there. I'm moving. You move me. Yeah, but this thing is is pretty uh, within the context of this series. It's, it's it's just been so brutal. I give it a six. Yeah, I'm gonna mirror that. When I first watched this, I was actually thinking like normally this might be a seven if it was a standalone episode with all the things that happen, all the rock Walker tropes. It would be a seven, so drop it a little bit. But yeah, I think just the uh, fatigue of the series, I was gonna yeah, go to a little lower. I, I'll go six. I'll give it a six. Appropriately, that gives this episode a roundhouse rating of 5.666 boots to the face. Ah! I think we all enjoyed seeing the chairman get taken out by an actual chair. Perhaps more importantly, (laughs) we're out of this Groundhog Day-esque series, and we're ready to spin that roulette wheel, sweet roulette wheel, once again. How about you? Did you enjoy the epic cat and mouse game of checkers between Walker and chairman? Let us know what you think on social media by emailing us at roundhouseroulette at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll spin that Roundhouse Roulette wheel to select the next week's episode. And we're back. Bob, you ready to finally spin the wheel? It's been way too long. So yes, yes I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Oh no. Oof. <laughs> Ooh. The Soul of Winter. Original air date, 
March 25th, 1998, the leader of a white supremacy group seeks vengeance upon the pastor responsible for sending him to prison. Oh, no. We've been tackling race a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of white supremacists in, in Texas, I guess, huh? Yeah, I think, you know, they're definitely up there. It's like white supremacists uh, are up there with like with the Nazis. Either one of them, you know, to get a nice roundhouse kick to the face. I'm 100% for it. Yeah, it's a feel-good experience. <laughs> it sure is. Well, we hope you'll join us next week when we share our reactions to Season 6, Episode 22, Soul of Winter. And a uh, special shout-out to anyone who sat through all four episodes of the uh, of the last uh, four-episode series. That was uh, an interesting one. Share your opinions with us on Facebook and Instagram at, at Roundhouse Roulette and on Twitter at, at @RoundhousePod and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your fine podcasts. Until next week, may, may the eyes, eyes of, of the ranger, ranger be upon you. you. When you're in Texas, look behind you. Oh, cause that's where the ranger's gonna be. <laughs> <laughs>